Hey, welcome to Gary's Shortlist Podcast. Today, we're having a chat with Nathan Charles. This is a great one. Nathan is the CEO of Rugby Western Australia. Nathan is also a four-times representative Wallaby for Australia. And Nathan is also the National Ambassador of Cystic Fibrosis, and he has a chat about that with us. Sit back and enjoy Nathan Charles. Thank you. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with Gary's Shortlist podcast today. For the listeners out there, Nathan Charles is the CEO of Rugby WA here in Australia. Nathan is also a household name with rugby, represented Australia with the Wallabies on uh, four occasions. Nathan, thank you so much, mate. Uh, How are you going over there? Hey, Gaz, thanks for having me on. And, geez, you, you're very kind. And I, I think you've pushed the parcel a little bit by saying household name. But, uh, look, that's a very kind compliment to start the day for me. Yeah, um, things are going, you know, I think things are going quite well over in WA in the current time. Um, we're, we're living life as normal as possible, albeit with its challenges. Uh, you know, fortunately, um, you know, we're, we're doing much better than some of the other states at the moment. So, uh, look, I, I can't complain too much. And uh, you've been in the role now for how long, Nath? Yeah, started in uh, February, um, February 2021, so probably about eight months now, and it's just been an absolute whirlwind of a time. Uh, I didn't think I'd be in a position like this so soon after retiring from my professional career and, um, you know, very fortunate um, to have been successful, got supporters that have helped me through, plenty of mentors, Um and people to lean on, I guess, every day to uh, get me through some challenging, challenging situations. But, you know, upon reflection, uh, there's been a lot that's happened this year um, by design and then by, you know, organically as well. So you have to deal and roll with the punches as they come and you have to ensure that everything uh, moves along as, as the way you want it to. But it has been a, a, a challenging, eye-opening time, but a, but a time that I've just grown significantly and enjoyed thoroughly. Good on you, mate. And um, and once again, congrats on your appointment. Uh, I think you're a fantastic fit for the role and and I'm sure we'll see some really uh, good things to come out of WA. Mate, uh, for the listeners out there, uh, in, primarily in the construction industry, um, I'd just like to let them know that you, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time, but uh, we were really fortunate to have you come and speak at the Construction Safety Alliance uh, when I was uh, a chair chairman there, and um, I, I think I think you've got a lot of synergy in regard to construction and your story. Now, for the listeners that don't know your story, Nathan, uh, it's a very very interesting story. Uh, listeners out there, sit back and and uh, Nathan perhaps will just brief us on your on your past um, and 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 how it sort of floated into your career. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I guess um, the story that you're referring to is the uh, the fact that I was born with cystic fibrosis, uh, the most common genetic condition um, known in Caucasians worldwide. So cystic fibrosis is um, a condition that affects the respiratory and digestive system by creating a thick, sticky mucus that causes irreversible lung damage and in some cases an early death um, and also affects the digestive system to, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't all work as well as probably what it should and uh, getting appropriate vitamins through foods and whatnot so supplements have to be taken and an abundance of uh, medications um, and I was diagnosed at the age of three months old 
And at that point in time, my mum and dad were told that, you know, to make the most of your time with Nathan because there's a good chance he won't make it past 10. And, um, yeah, at 32 years of age, I'm still uh, still putting my nose up at those doctors saying I wasn't going to get past 10, let alone um, be the only professional sporting person, professional elite contact sporting person to play uh, international rugby um, or for, for their country. So, you know, I'd like to think um, by me following my passion, which is rugby, and with also the attachment of cystic fibrosis, I can um, provide some source of uh, some source of inspiration or motivation for people not only that are affected by cystic fibrosis, but those without and are facing adversity and challenges in life. Because uh, as we'll probably discuss a bit later, everyone faces adversity and challenges in life, whether it's physical, um, intellectual, or mental. There are significant challenges that we all go through, and um, I think. Uh, you should not be defined by the condition that you may or experience that you suffer from, but instead how you decide to bounce back and um, um, get back into life, I guess. Mate, um, that is one one amazing story and, and I've got uh, two things to add. I, I know that you're the, a national ambassador for cystic fibrosis, and and I you know I think you would certainly be giving a lot of particularly younger people um, you know, the guidance and, and the, you know, the, the role model that you can be for them in regards to where you are. How's your health now, Nathan, it, out of interest that now you're not playing rugby? Yeah, it's, um, look, you have your up and down days. You know, naturally, the older you get, the the, the more it declines. Um, but, you know, I think the, the transition from being physically active every day to not, you, you have, there's a real cognizant fact that you have to go, well, you know, exercise has kept me healthy all these years mentally and, and physically. So I've got to make a conscious decision to go, well, I've got to do something. And I just love keeping fit. So I still train a lot. Um, I, f- I feel like my health is in relatively good good uh, position at the moment. But like with anything, you know, a simple cold or flu will just snowball into something a lot worse. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty health conscious in regards to um, my hygiene, and you know, in this particular moment as well with COVID, it was a pretty, um, you know, unknown and bit scary time around the impacts. If I was to catch it, being a respiratory condition itself, like I was considered high risk. So, you know, but I've I've managed to keep quite healthy and fortunate throughout this uh, this period of time. Fantastic, mate. Great to hear. Um, so, Nathan. Perhaps you could give us a bit of a snapshot from, you know, when you were schoolboy rugby guy in Sydney, uh, you had your parents supporting you um, all the way through to, you know, your, your professional journey. Perhaps you can give us a bit of a snapshot and, and I, love, I love the part of your career when you ended up in, in Europe and, uh, and playing for Australia. Yeah, well, uh, ever, ever, since I could, um, ever since I could walk, I, I knew all I ever wanted to be was a wallaby, and um, that was the catch cry at that time in the uh, in the nineties. Um, was wasn't when, it? I want to be a wallaby. Yeah, I want to be. <laughs> that's exactly right. So you know, that's all I grew up remembering what I wanted to be. And I think there's a story of when uh, I was actually watching my brother Matt's game for the Ronga Tigers, and I was on the sideline with my nana, and I was pulling on her hand, saying, "You know, I want to play. I want to play." But I think I was three or four at the time, and she just told me I was too young. So. 
as soon as I was of appropriate age, and I think mum and dad put me in a year, year younger anyway, just to get me into it. I played rugby and absolutely loved it. And, uh, you know, I've played my whole life, been around it my whole life. And, um, you know, at, at a, roughly an early age, I was quite fortunate to be identified, you know, as someone with uh, potential to go, to go further. Um, that aside, I just loved it. So I wanted to put everything in it myself. But it was probably when I was 15 years old um, when I got my first contract with the Canary Bulldogs Rugby League. Um, that sort of made it all a bit real, going, well, this could be a career for me. Um, and then, you know, went through the, the pathway of Australian schoolboys rugby union. Um, I went to university, played there, uh, signed with the Brumbies down in Canberra, and then um, <clears throat> uh, signed with the Western Force in WA for a two-week contract. It ended up turning into seven years, seven seasons. And then, um, yeah, in that time, managed to make my debut for the Wallabies, which was just out of this world. And then in um, 2016, made the move to Europe, went to France for a little bit, played one of, played with one of the powerhouse clubs over there in Clermont, and they happened to win the top Cators that year, which was just unbelievable. And um, then following that, I went to Bath in England for about 18 months. And then, you know, at 29 years of age, I just realised I'd, I'd had enough uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. I was just absolutely cooked. So I decided to hang up the boots and make the transition into, into, uh, into the real world, as some would say. <laughs> and with your injuries, I know you had, um, I know you had shoulder injuries and uh, perhaps you can just tell us, I guess, the, I guess the reason I ask you about that is that in construction, there's plenty of people out there in the construction industry that are carrying injuries and probably, you know, lay awake at night thinking, if this doesn't get much better, what what does my career look like? And I think that's where um, your story rung with me. Yeah, I had, um, you know, you, you have niggles all throughout your career, but I had three major injuries that actually kept me out of the game for a period of, geez, I think um, close to 20 months um, in my whole career. So it's a significant amount of time. First one was I just blew out my knee, um, knee just full knee reconstructions. So that took me out for 11 months. And that was my first major reconstruction and first time out of the game. Um, and that hit me for six. That was really tough. Um, I really struggled to um, accept it. I, I struggled to understand, you know, why me? I went through all the emotions and then got to the stage of going, you know what, just pull your head together. Like, you got to move forward and get to where you need to get to and do the hard work. So, you know, initially for probably the first six weeks, I went into a pretty dark place, um, just trying to understand the injury, what it meant. It was a massive shock as well. So I'd actually done it in a game and then played on for another five or so minutes, not realising the, the extent of the damage. And then, um, you know, was feeling pretty confident after the game. And then uh, I went and got a scan by myself on a Sunday and um, just up the road actually from where I'm sitting now. And they delivered the news to me that, Mate, your knee's done. So that was just a huge shock to the system. And, um, yeah, it was pretty hard to, to accept. But I got through that. I, I mentally grew from it as well. Uh, I dealt with some things. And um, I actually came out of that a much better player and much better person. Uh, I went through a few personal things as well during that time. So I just grew from, um, you know, I just grew as a person. 
And then the following year is actually when I made my debut for the Wallabies. So I came out of a serious injury and then ended up playing the best rugby of my life. Um, unfortunately, that was cut short again by another injury when I, uh, in my last, my last test match, um, which is hard to talk about is, uh, when I tore my pec off the bone, um, you know, you're at the top of your game. I've just come from a, a major setback the year before I've pushed through the barriers. I've got to the, to the be all and end all, which is starting for your country against the All Blacks in a Bledisloe test match. Um, so I thought I was just on top of the world. And then literally um, in a scrum in the 25th minute, I think it was, tear my pack off the bone and, um, mate, that was it. Again, played on for another five or so minutes before realising it's um, it's pretty painful and then just walked up the tunnel and just, just broke down. It was just really heartbreaking to go through all that pain and effort and be on top of everything and then just have it torn away from you literally so that second injury really set me back um big time because there was an expectation there now of what I could do where I was um and then when I returned back from that injury I wasn't the same player um I put myself under a lot of pressure didn't deal with it as well um I got external pressures as well from people which made me come back sooner um, than what I was probably uh, should have. And I just played, I played very average. Um, I came back, I was busting my butt, but it wasn't being reflected in performances. Um, my form was very poor and then I was just in a bad space. And then um, the year after that, dislocated my shoulder and had to have a shoulder reconstruction. So it was sort of four years, three years, four years of just back-to-back injuries and, it was hard to, to manage after that. And after my last one, I just said, I've, you know, got to do something different and was, you know, external pressures again, um, made me go to Europe. And then once I went there, I sort of just put a timeline on my career. I said, look, I'll give myself two years. And um, that's what I did. Went overseas for two years, had an absolutely cracking time. Can't say I played the best rugby, but I just really enjoyed the places I went to, the people I met and the experiences I had and, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, change those experiences for the world. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was tough, but I, um, I learned a lot out of it. Um, I learned what my body can do, what it can't do, and then obviously the mental challenges that are associated with um, all those setbacks. So I hope, hope that answers your question in a quick snapshot. It does, Nathan. Thank you. And thanks for sharing um, quite personal journey. Nathan, so... How did you transition? You know, were you were you at that you know some period there? Were you thinking about what do I do now? Like if I'm if I'm finished with rugby, um, you know, you've played and and concentrated on professional sport for most of your life, and then you're probably thinking I need to go and get, as you said, a real job. Um, and and did that give you, I guess. Um, you know, somewhat a, a level of anxiety, thinking what what's what's your career post rugby, and and what did you do? Like, did you you know? Obviously, you didn't walk into a CEO role, or um, you you must have taken some steps. Yeah, Gaza did, um, and I was always very conscious of the fact that rugby is just a game, and probably those injuries um, taught me some lessons in the sense of, you know. It is a business, and you are just a number, and you're you're dispense you're you're um, you're replaceable. So, 
you know, the, the new the new flavor of the month comes in. And and that's sport, that's professional sport, and that's okay. But as a player, you need to understand and accept that. So when it does happen to you, you just aren't blindsided. Um, I, I, I'm a very aspirational kind of person, and I knew that, you know, rugby, being a professional rugby player at the age of 19, you get paid more money than the average 19-year-old and you get exposed to a better lifestyle and certain aspects due to the, the benefits of being a professional sports person. Um, you know, you get a taste of it. You don't want it to end. So you, you, my, my thought around that was what do I need to do to maintain this lifestyle post-rugby? Um, so when I first left school, um, you know, Dad said, you either get a job or you go to university. And if you go to university, we'll support you. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'll... I did want to go to uni. I wanted, to, and I went there and played rugby, and I lived there at college, and uh, I was like, well, you know, study as well. I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do, so I did what they called the uh, rugby degree, um, which was arts and science. It was a bit of a, we'll just get you into uni. Uh, I was on a scholarship there, and um, then figure out your way. So, which I did, and then I ended up majoring in a uh, my degree majored in uh, management and Australian history. And I failed some units along the way, but I quickly realised, you know, I do or I don't like that. <clears throat> and then uh, I actually, I'll never forget, I handed in my last ever assignment for that degree on the morning of Mad Monday in 2010. So uh, <laughs> I remember I remember having to walk down to down the road at, I think, 9 or 10 a.m. on the morning, actually might have been even earlier, 8 a.m., um, the morning of Mad Monday, going to a backpackers to get some internet so I could send through and um, submit my assignment. And that was my last one ever. So I finished that in 2010 just as I was making professional. So I'd done, already done my first degree, which was mm-hmm. great. And then um, throughout my career, I just made the most of um, opportunities in the sense of when you're, when you're an elite athlete and in a sport like rugby, you're so fortunate with the people that uh, want to be a part of it sponsors for example people with a lot of money with a lot of understanding with a lot of network to um get guidance from so when we had sponsor days i was always the one that would go around to sponsors and introduce myself you know and even to this day i've still i'm still in contact with i'd say at least 40 percent of the people from that era um, and some of my mentors today so and they've all pushed me in the right direction, provided me advice and um, introduced me to people, which has just guided me and my life. Uh, and it was actually one of my business mentors that we were discussing, you know, post rugby. And it was probably in 2015 or something. I remember having a good hour long chat to him. And I said, mate, um, I'm thinking about doing an MBA um, or that there's a project management masters. Um, I'm not really too sure what to do. And he actually, he was the one when I was talking to him, he said, well, you know, nowadays with skills and, um, uh, sorry, what, well, skills and qualifications, I guess, a lot of employers are looking for, you know, hard skills. So project management is something that you can use across every industry um, and was quite broad but also could be narrowed down. So he was the one saying, you know, I'd suggest you do your project management, which I did, and I finished that my last couple of years of um, playing professional rugby. Again, one of my last uh, exams was actually in a Starbucks in the middle of Coventry, um, <laughs> just with my headphones in. 
uh, doing an online exam. So, you know, I just made do with the situation I was in and I made sure to always um, further and educate myself because one day my rugby career would end and I wanted to be as prepared as possible to move into the next chapter of my life. And I guess from studying that Masters of Project Management, I then took a liking to risk management um, through my, my, my network and the rugby network, got in touch with someone who worked in uh, oil and gas, health and safety. We sat down, we hit it off, and we were like, well, why don't we start up a consultancy, health and safety consultancy, which we did, which is called Veritas RSW. It's been running since 2018. It's something that uh, is very much a side, side thing for us at the moment um, in the sense of both of us sort, sort of take a back step, but we have other people run, leading the way. And that's been that was great, you know, finish my career, start up a business, have those learnings, do it with someone but not have to fully depend on that as your income. It took the pressure off as well. And then, um, you know, I had that choice of do I want to go down health and safety as a career or do I want to stay in sport? And, um, you know, sport was just overriding in the sense of enjoyment. Um, so, yeah, made that decision and a couple of years in sports administration in a different in a different sport and this opportunity at rugby came along. So uh, it's been a bit of a journey, but I definitely felt like I put myself in the best position to uh, get to where I am. Well, it's, uh, I think, you know, I think the synergy between your story and perhaps some of our listeners today is that you can have that side hustle, perhaps you might call it, with Veritas, the risk management firm, um, whilst, you know, doing whatever else you're doing at the same time, which is, which is great. But I think also the learnings about, you know, maybe not waiting to D-Day to then decide, oh, what do I do now? You, you perhaps you planted some seeds and I think you rightly point out that you're networking and, and, and keeping uh, really close to, to the people that you've been fortunate enough to meet over over a long period of time is that, um, you, you know, it, it also, it's funny how things happen, isn't it? You know, it can be at a barbecue or it can be be at the pub that someone says, hey, Nath, you know, we, we met ages ago and are you interested in having a chat about X? And, and I think, I think um, I've, I've done the same in my career, uh, you know, I've, even with uh, people that I've worked with in the past, I try to, to keep in touch with them at some point. And it's not for any other reason that, you know, life, life is a really interesting thing. Uh, it's a small world and, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how your path can change. And, and I guess, you know, your career and my career are somewhat similar, except I never picked up a football, but I was, I was in safety management thinking, what is my life after safety management? Because I knew that I couldn't do safety management, um, you know, for forever. And, uh, and, you know, over my last couple of years of doing safety management, I, I decided, you know what, I'd love to explore the recruitment world because I'm still in my construction circles. I still get to talk to people about construction where I'm passionate about. And, of course, safety gets thrown in the mix as well. But uh, that's interesting. So so no more study now, Nathan. You think you've done with your study? Oh, look, I, I, I don't think I'd go back and do a formal degree as per, um, but I, I constantly do um, professional development days. I think it's really important to keep pushing yourself and learning different things. Like, you know, recently I did a, a two-day course on financial forecasting just to, you know, upskill myself in that area and just to remind myself of a few key points. So I think that's very important to just keep pushing yourself and, you um, challenging those areas and just uh, 
refreshing or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of degrees, I might uh, might leave to the, just to the two. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I know that your lovely wife is a um, a professional sports person as well. Is that? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, beautiful wife Verity. She is a professional netball player for the West Coast Fever and the Australian Diamonds, actually. So. She, uh, yeah, haven't seen her for a couple months now, which has been a bit of a challenge. Obviously, COVID, they've been on the East Coast um, playing their season and now they're going into camp with the, the Australian team and playing a, a three-test series against England. So, you know, she's she's just an absolute gun. I'm a number one fan and, um, you know, just, just love what she's doing. And, you know, she just provides that bit of balance to my life as well, being, you know, we understand the pressures of professional sport, what they are and, how we can best support each other to get through. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of rugby, Nathan, is there anything you can uh, tell us secretly in terms of what we can expect potentially in rugby in the next, you know, short term or long term in Australia? Is there anything that you can share with uh, us? Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you know, rugby in Australia has gone through a lull for quite a, for quite a few years. Uh, I think the current administration at the top in rugby Australia is 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 of, is of high quality, and I think we'll move our move our way forward. Uh, we've just had a good series against um, France, and then a couple of good wins against South Africa. So I think there's some good players coming through. Just need some stability, and then from a grassroots level in WA, you know, we have such a great opportunity here to grow the game. Albeit it's a WA stronghold. Uh, sorry, an AFL stronghold in WA. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity to um, grow the game uh, across, you know, the male and female component. Yeah, terrific, terrific. And look, I, I, I just lastly, Nathan, I'd, I'd really thank you for your time. It's uh, for our listeners here. It's a Sunday um, that we're, we're sitting here with Nathan because Nathan's been flat out and we've been talking for a long time to try and make this happen. And I just would really like to thank you on behalf of myself and the listeners uh, for taking some time out on your Sunday. Mate, I hope you uh, get a chance to put your feet up for the rest of the day. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board Gary's Shortlist podcast. And uh, I, I'd encourage our listeners to uh, watch the space in rugby. Thanks for having us on, Gaz. I appreciate it. And thanks to all the listeners. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you very much. <laughs>